Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Midisode 136 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am Andy Stewart. Good morning, Mitchell, how are you? I am fine, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. America's got a new president. Sure does. Feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, one of my latest Twitter things that I've kind of grown to really love is uh, just cruising about and seeing all the QAnon guys losing their mind because like, the emergency broadcast system didn't go off to tell them that Trump would be their president for another four years and that the military was in charge. <laughs> yeah, I could see how that'd be fun. Apart from that, how's your week been? It's been okay. It's been pretty quiet. Uh, I did make time to watch a couple of things. Okay. That sounds exactly like my week, so you go first. Well, I popped a couple of things on when I was working the other day. Kind of back-to-back them. They're both on Netflix, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not cheery viewing by any stretch of the imagination, but it's kind of interesting watching them back-to-back. So the first thing I checked out was Night Stalker, the documentary about Richard Ramirez. Okay, now I don't know a great deal about this, but what I have seen is a lot of people being absolutely horrified by this. Like I say, it's not cheery viewing, um, but it basically follows Ramirez's crimes all the way through the hunt forum to him being captured and then his trial and stuff like that. I, re- I thought this was a really good documentary. Like I say, not fun, totally unnerving, makes you feel unsafe in your own house, but yeah, really, really good. I would recommend it. It's on Netflix. And then I back to back to with The Ripper, which is a documentary about Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, yeah. Very different kind of documentary in so much as it's very British, whereas Night Stalker's very cool and very American. This is very much like showcases Yorkshire and Leeds and places like that in the darkest, bleakest light possible. But what I did want to say is that in terms of policing, it's an absolute night and day black and white comparison between the two. Because on one hand, with a Night Stalker case, you've got these super cops who will not rest until this guy is caught. And then on the other side, in the Yorkshire Ripper case, you have police bungling every single step of the way. It's just night and day in terms of... If you're somebody that that's interested in like the work of the police and how they've kind of handled these big manhunts, check this out because one side is really a good example of policing and the other side is just dismal that led to loads of poor women getting murdered. Right, that sounds like, albeit I kind of accidentally, that sounds like a good kind of double feature. I was bereft for the rest of the day. Yeah, like not a rollicking good time, but like sounds kind of interesting, a good thematic variation. Yeah, my, my thigh remained unslapped in muff. <laughs> Did you watch anything else that was uh, possibly any lighter? Mm, I've got to say, the answer is no, because I went on to Shudder and I checked out Hunted, which I think you mentioned a week or two ago on the streaming platforms. Now, I think that that is right. Is this the retelling of Red Riding Hood? I've seen that all, all over stuff to do with this film, but it's so loose a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood that I wouldn't really get too hung up on that. Okay. Um, what we have here is a woman, Eve. She goes out after a hard day's work and meets this guy in a nightclub who says, oh, uh, my brother's over there, I'm just hanging out with my brother, We've, uh, yeah, he's just lost his wife. Things get a bit hot and steamy in a car between these two, and then the other guy hops into the car, turns out he's not his brother, 
and they head off with bad intentions and then they wind up in the woods and there's kind of sorry to tell you Mitch it does devolve into a deadly game of cat and mouse I was afraid of that yeah but um, there was some cool stuff in here it's pretty dark obviously because their motives let's say aren't to rescue her from the woods sure but the big my big I mean this is directed by Vincent Parano by the way who directed Oscar nominated animation Persepolis in 2007 oh I remember that film that's a good film yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, this film's fine we've got a few issues with it first being that it's an Irish Belgian French co-production right okay so it's set in a kind of indeterminate Europe <laughs> okay and what we have is loads of presumably French or Belgian people doing American accents yeah I was going to say I was going to say are, are the characters from uh, all of Britain or all of Europe uh, <laughs> the characters are from generic America generica sure nice okay yeah. right they kind of lead bad guy he's, a, he's, he's French and he's playing an American guy he's doing alright but you know that way the dialogue's a bit stilted because it's not first language sure and there's a lot of that and then occasionally just at the blue you'll get a couple of Irish guys popping up <laughs> which is fine but it, it, it all lends for a bit of a weird viewing experience when you're watching French people kind of trying to portray themselves as American it just it never quite lands in that regard also mm-hmm. I feel like the subject matter is so dark but there's these weird moments of comedy in it that I, I, I don't know they, I found it difficult to kind of balance out whether I thought it worked or not because there's like okay. moments of real silly comedy in here but then like it'll cut back to something extremely nasty going on I just struggled a little bit with that you really got to watch yourself with that don't you yeah and overall this is fine okay it's just fine I was um, going to say this sounds like a very heavily qualified recommendation if it's a recommendation at all nothing you haven't seen before that's probably the best way I could put it really these two guys are planning on making this video with this woman she runs off in the woods and she kind of gets her revenge, I suppose, like, um, fights back against them. Okay. It's nothing you haven't seen before. And yeah. the Little Red Riding Hood stuff, aside from the fact that she wears a red jacket for pretty much the whole film, doesn't really play into it that much at all. There's some weird kind of moments, like, where the guy spews up a frog and some kind of weird fairy tale things, but it's not okay. in any way a major part of it. Yeah, I mean, your protagonist or kind of a central character wearing a red coat is not enough. You know, like, Don't Look Now is not based on Red Riding Hood. <laughs> sure. I watched a fair few things this week, actually, some of which were rewatches and things that we've already spoken about or that you've already spoken about. Right. On the show, so I touched on them really quickly. I finally got around to Colin Minahan's What Keeps You Alive. Okay, okay. How did you um, find that? I thought it was two-thirds great, one-third terrible. Absolutely hated the third act, but really dug the rest of it. Right. I thought I'd run out of steam unforgivably. Also, just want to mention very quickly that you recommended The Bloodhound last week. Oh, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few people um, watched it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm a, I was among them. I um, I jumped on and checked it out this week. I had, to, I had to watch it in two settings just because of the way things fell. I just wanted to echo basically everything that you said about it last week. It's on the Arrow video channel, soon to be the Arrow player. Go check that out. I thought it was superb. Really loved it. Ah, oh, brilliant. Excellent. Hey, a recommendation that landed. Yes. Um, also rewatched Searching last night, which I spoke about years oh, yeah. ago mm-hmm. on the show. That held up pretty well on a second watch. But yeah, of the new stuff that I watched this week, catching up with some cinematic stuff that I missed first time round, uh, headed to Netflix, watched uh, Friedrich Bohm's Wildling. Right, okay. Is this got Liv Tyler in it? It does have Liv Tyler in it, yeah. So basically what you have here is this young girl who is rescued from being kind of held captive by this guy who made himself out to be her kind of like carer or guardian and kind of shielded her from the outside world. Right. And had this notion of protecting her from this creature, this wild thing. So she is rescued from this and is taken into care basically by Liv Tyler while they figure out more about this girl's past and how she got to where she was and things like that. This is that kind of very bland type of multiplex horror. Okay. 
where I think that it kind of fancies itself as being a little bit kind of a little bit more high concept but doesn't really do anything with a relatively good idea got you um, I think that like considering that because this did get a decent sized release in the UK certainly you could see this at Cineworld and stuff like that as I recall um, and it's very dull and takes very few chances. What I will say as well is um, Liv Tyler, uh, her performance in this, I find really aggravating. Okay. And I can't tell if it's, you know, like a directorial choice or a choice by her. Right. But um, she's obviously, she plays this kind of like, what's supposed to be this kind of like hard-nosed police officer with this sensitive side while she's looking after this child. But it's also incredibly airy and wispy. Okay. That I just like at no like I just at no point did I get on board with her doing anything other than acting here. Oh, uh, right. And I think that like when she's kind of she's not in every frame of it, but the because the main character, the weak girl, doesn't say much for a long spell of it. So she is she is driving a lot of this, and I think that the fact that I found her so infuriating to watch in this did not do it any favors. Mm, that's not great. No, no, I uh, I would not readily recommend this. However, I did manage to catch up with something a little bit newer as well. This time on Amazon Prime. Now I mentioned this on the streaming platforms last week, and it's one that I've been kind of keeping an eye on for a while. And it was uh, Dave Franco's The Rental. Ah, I've seen a couple of people talking about this, and it hasn't all been positive. Yeah, mine's not going to be all positive either, but it's largely positive. So, directorial debut here from Dave Franco, Uh um, and a couple of people whose work we have previously enjoyed. Dan Stevens in here, Uh uh, obviously best known to horror fans from The Guest, and uh, also Alison Brie. (laughs) Real name. Schmermerhorn. Correct. Yes, that's right. The very same. Uh, both of them doing fine here. In fact, performance-wise, everyone's really good. But they go to this this Airbnb in the forest or kind of in the mountains uh-huh. to kind of get away from it all for a bit. I really like the way this is set up because you see these two couples and Dan Stevens and the other guy and her brothers. Okay. So it's them and their partners. And um, you can kind of like, even though they're kind of doing this ostensibly for like a break, you can tell that there's little bits of tensions here and there between a couple of different denominations within the group. And it seeds that really nicely. And when they get there, the guy that's kind of hosting it is a little bit strange. It doesn't really seem to be all that it appears to be. The first act of this, I think, gets a lot of stuff really right. Okay. And what you basically see is, over the measure of a couple of days, these people kind of coming out as being a little bit more duplicitous and a little less kind of nice and as loving as they appear on the surface. They all kind of have skeletons in their closet, and we learn a little bit about this as this unfolds. I don't really want to say too much more about it than that. It gets, it takes some really interesting turns. It doesn't get absolutely everything right. I keep thinking about the ending, and I think that, like, I'm going to rewatch the last, like, half hour, because I'm not certain that every single plot beat lands logically. Right. I'm not certain and that there's no elements of the third act that stand up to scrutiny or don't stand up to scrutiny. Okay. But I would say that, like, as a kind of 90 minute watch, this kind of like effective kind of slow burn that feeds you just enough in terms of scandal and kind of misinformation and switching your allegiances around and stuff like that, it's pretty interesting. In terms of Dave Franco as a director, there's not a great deal wrong with this, but visually it's not particularly striking considering they had like a pretty cool location. Right. I don't know if they necessarily get the best out of that, but it's a good story, quite slickly told. It gets a little silly, probably, but I'm, I think it's really entertaining. I would recommend it definitely. I would say, like, it's a perfect kind of like mid week compact little thriller okay you could do a lot worse than kind of throwing this on on a wednesday night so if you're bored this wednesday <laughs> you know what to do yeah yeah mitch has the answers <laughs> yeah there you go the rental yeah the rental enjoyed that a fair bit so yeah those were my main ones this week okay lovely of course mitch i threw myself back into nature gone wild yes now uh this side quest has been rumbling on for a little while so i think that before we get into the title for this week i think it's time to check in with you how are you finding the side quest are you finding it to be kind of like a burden to have to free up time to watch a manic animal movie every week or are you enjoying it still I'm still enjoying it. What I will say and what I'm finding is that most animal-related 
horror films or thrillers are bad. <laughs> okay, now, it's interesting that you've picked this week to land on that generalisation. I have to ask, what was the driver behind that? What were you watching this week? Well, I can tell you that my mind was not in any way swayed from that thinking by this week's film. Um, okay. Because <laughs> I went back to Amazon Prime, of course, and uh, to 2016, I think, okay. uh, for Terror Birds. <laughs> Okay, fantastic. Uh, (laughs) Great. Okay, Terror Birds. Lovely. Um, So tell me more about this. Well, it was the title that got me to start Of course it was. It's the best uh, title I've ever heard for any film. (laughs) Um, It's not not as good as the title makes it out to be, I can can tell you. But what we've got here is this uh, bird watcher goes missing while he's out in the woods doing his thing, obviously. Uh, (laughs) He's missing for a long time and his daughter and our college pals decide that they're going to go out into the woods, into nowhere, and find them, and rescue them. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is that they're captured and they're taken in by this doctor guy, or this kind of geneticist, who has made these two giant terror birds, in inverted commas, that he sets off against them. Wow. So, to explain the terror bird as a creature to you, I want you to imagine a velociraptor, kind of crossed with a puffin... <laughs> And uh, an ostrich. Is it a deadly game of bird and mouse? <laughs> kind of is, yeah. And they look preposterous, and they are preposterous. Okay. And the film's preposterous. Are there any notables in this or anything uh, like that? Leslie Easterbrook's in this, who played Mother Firefly in The Devil's Rejects. Oh, sure, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Not doing hellish much of massive note. No one really is. I'd love to sit here and tell you that a film called Terror Birds was worth your time. But it's not really. That is a sh- that is a shame because uh, that is one fine title. It is. It I feel like it's wasted, frankly, on this film. Yeah, uh-huh. it sounds like a missed opportunity, which is disappointing. However, the Nature's Gone Wild side quest rumbles on. Do you have any idea how long you're going to do this for? Because I think it was a little bit of a how long is a piece of string situation for me when I did mine. Where I was just like, you know what, I've done this for long enough. I'm drawing a line in the sand. So because <laughs> I, mean, I, I think we're still relatively early on in this. I'm assuming you're going to keep this going for a while. Yeah, I'm in no rush to bring it to an end. I'm, I'm, I mean, the films aren't great, but I'm having fun with them. Like, That's I, I should thing. stress that just because I'm saying that they're shite doesn't mean that there's no fun to be found. Some of them are, I mean, there's, there's fun to be found in Terror Birds, but it's kind of few and far between, really. Well, I mean, I get the impression that there will be some people in the Chad Locker who will be eating these up as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Stevie Reeve, God bless him, has been sending me suggestions as well. <laughs> That's what he does. Yeah. So. Feedback time then, and uh, just to kick off with uh, Stevie, actually, and um, his continuing journey through the cinematic battle. The Mire. Yeah, he uh, watched Ghost Shark 2 Urban Jaws this mm, week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he also found a short film on Amazon Prime called Nazi Sharks. Right, sure. Um, he didn't allude too much to how this goes down, although I think it's fairly self-explanatory, but his review was, it's not a good film, it's something you just need to experience. That's so often Stevie's comment on the things that he gets people to watch. Yeah, I think that he does a good job of like separating himself from actually recommending it, but still manages to coax people into watching it, which is a delicate balance. Yeah, dangerous one would say absolutely however the main thrust of the feedback this week has been on return of the killer tomatoes which was of course the subject of this past week's main episode so big thank you to death Sember and unusual attachment writer michael Verratti for joining us to talk at that one and unsurprisingly a fair few of you getting in touch with some comments on that yeah and on the twitter first then darren gaskell who got in touch with me saying that he was really really excited about this one because he loves this film 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. I, I don't know how I would know that because it's Return of the Killer Tomatoes. It's not exactly in the forefront of everybody's minds. So, I, yeah, it's, it was cool to see Darren respond so positively to that. Yeah, and so frequently. And he did catch himself with that. He said, I really don't want to flood the feedback section of this week's minisode of my love for this movie. Which, in <laughs> fairness, he didn't do. But I will just say he kind of summarised his opinions by saying, it's great, brilliantly stupid on the surface, pretty clever underneath. So many running gags, it's hard to keep track. Everyone's great in it, notably John Aston and that Clooney guy. Whatever happened to him? And yes, I was eating toast while listening. Now, where's the fight at? Yeah, that Clooney guy, I think now he does adverts for coffee machines. I believe that that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got anything on this? Yeah, yeah. Kean O'Brien at Not So Kean got in touch to say, I had somehow managed to completely miss the existence of a sequel to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I got back in touch with Kean just to say there's actually three sequels to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And Kean went away and uh, checked out Return of the Killer Tomatoes and came back to say the main takeaways from that are watch the Killer Tomatoes sequels and two... Toast is good. Uh, yeah, one of the things that we did, I think we agreed on quite a lot of stuff in that episode, but one of the main things that, that we all settled on is, yeah, toast is superb. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, we had uh, John Dickinson, who I haven't heard from in a while. Hello, John. Hi, John. Nice still out there. Uh, Marvel guy on Twitter saying, I adore Verati. Looking forward to this one. So hope, uh, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you lived up to your adoration and that hasn't in any way diminished. Yeah, hopefully not. Have you got anything else on Return of the Killer Tomatoes? I do a couple of things. Dan Popomatic at Dan Popomatic on Twitter got in touch to say, tearing myself away from Hitman 3 for long enough to watch Return of the Killer Tomatoes. It's strong violent PC homework if you were wondering. I may be too sober. I don't think that whether you're drunk or sober has any impact on your enjoyment of Return of the Killer Tomatoes. I think you would enjoy it just as much sober. This feeds back in to what you were saying on the main episode about the, f- uh, the title and the concept being possibly misleading in as much as it's a lot smarter a film than it sounds. Uh, yeah, it, it does sound like a, a shitty B-movie and to an extent that's true, but it has far more to say than that. Completely agree. Yeah, 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 definitely. I just want to say hello to Dan very quickly before you get through anything else, because he got in touch spotting that one of my character names on my Mitch's pitch last week was a Magnus Archives reference. Did you recommend that podcast before on this? I did, yes. Um, and uh, Dan picked it up off the back of that and uh, spotted something in there. Uh, so I just wanted to say good ear to Dan on that one. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Hang on, don't just throw off carry on when you're lifting names from other things and putting them into your pitches, Mitch. What the hell is this? I was curious to see if anybody would catch it. So the company that produces the Magnus Archives is called uh, Rusty Quill. Right. Productions and my uh, my pitch from last week had a failing author called Trusty Quill. It did, yeah, right, okay. So yeah, I just wanted to see if anybody caught that. Dan being unsurprisingly the only one. Well, Trusty Quill is different enough from Rusty Quill that I'll let it slide. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, I changed it just enough to not get sued. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Much like that uh, version of the Godfather theme that's in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Ah, uh, yes, the Dogfather. <laughs> Saltired Popcorn at Saltired Popcorn on Twitter getting in touch to say Intelligence is knowing tomato is a fruit, wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. A fun chat this week with Michael Verratti that, as I am sure will please him, has made me appreciate the featured film a bit more. Oh, always nice to hear that. Yeah, definitely. You got anything else on Return? I don't know. In that case, I would like to turn my attentions to Return to Oz briefly. Um, our episode from a couple of weeks back with Danny Morgan. Yeah, I noticed we did two films with Return in the title back to back. Yeah, I did spot that as well, actually. Paul Downey at Bloody Flicks, who has been getting in touch a fair bit recently. So good to hear from you, Paul. Thanks a lot for that. Hi, Paul. Um, he basically mentioned that he was settling down to watch it and uh, described it as worth every penny of the one pound from CEX, which is a <laughs> qualified recommendation, but a recommendation nonetheless. Um, 
and uh, James Patrick Duffy at Specky Grump on Twitter. <laughs> Watched it today for the first time in 25 years. The stuff of absolute nightmares. I like that he's taken what I've been saying about him on the episodes and uh, turned that into his Twitter handle. Yeah, he's letting it define himself now. To be honest, there's no fighting that. <laughs> it's like the Musketeers of shit, Andy. If you launch a nickname, it sticks. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the Shakes at the Shakes 72. Thanks for the welcome back shout out, Strong Violent PC. It's nice to be back with the family, even when it's the Sawyer family. Oh, very good. Very good. Welcome back, Shakes. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Also, I uh, want to say a quick hello to a couple of people who got in touch ref our Patreon episode from this week, where we took a look at R&B Kuntz's The Pale Door. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair to say that neither of us were too struck on it. No, no it's got good points, but eh, wasn't one over. No, I wouldn't have said so. And a couple of other people weren't either. Kevin Matthews saying, biggest problem for me is that it was no dead birds, despite feeling a lot like dead birds for most of the runtime. Mm-hmm. And Keen O'Brien saying, I loved Scare Package and I love a good horror western, so I was excited for this. Shame about that. And uh, <laughs> Sarah... <laughs> And uh, Sarah Cook coming up on the other side of the coin saying that she loved it. So it's cool. I did kind of assume, and we did say at the time, that I'm pretty sure that there is an audience out there for that. So good to hear um, the dissenting voice as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have any more. So if you've got anything else, I would suggest you just batter through them. Um, I just have the one more. And it's um, a quick hello to Caitlin Downs at Scared Sheepless on Twitter. Uh, She said, uh, catching up with Strong Violent PC and thrilled to hear that Mitch enjoyed Disappearance at Clifton Hill. It really deserves more love. That is a really good film. And I did mention last week that Mm. I watched that on the basis of it featuring in Caitlin's countdown for 2020 that's right yeah Mm -hmm. yep it's out there on netflix go watch it it's great Uh, i just want to say another thing before we move on some of you may have seen that we now have enamel badges we took delivery of those this week or andy more specifically you took delivery of those this week we've been sharing the images the reaction has been very positive we'll be letting you know a little bit more about how you can get your hands on those very soon indeed yeah some of them have been claimed already by patrons and stuff like that so those people have to get priority on them but then what we'll do is we'll open them up and we'll make sure that every Everybody who wants one can get their hands on one. 100%. Also, I just want to drop in something really quickly before we move on. An important piece of feedback this week from Sheila Bain. Oh, of course. Well, don't keep me in suspense. What, what did Sheila say? Regular listeners will know Sheila Bain is my mum. She uh, listens to the mini-sode on the main episode literally every week, unless the content is sufficiently blue that I advise that she doesn't. Which has happened. Which has happened once or twice. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Zoe Smith. Um, <laughs> and Duncan McLeish. <laughs> and Duncan McLeish, yeah, that's right. Although, I think she maybe did eventually go back and listen to those. Um, she listened to the Return of the Killer Tomatoes episode this week. It's important to say that mum listens to the main episodes without ever having seen the films uh-huh. so it's very much uh, predicated on our ability to keep it linear i think sure okay <laughs> but she did say this week having listened to michael's uh, discussion on return of the killer tomatoes she messaged me saying this is the first film that we've ever covered that she is now considering watching Oh, Uh, you should watch it with her. Yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. When it is legal for me to travel home, we'll do that. I will definitely get the feedback if that film gets watched. Yeah, I I can't wait for that. That wraps my feedback too, I think. Yeah, that only leaves one thing. It is, once again, time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. I'm laughing in advance at reading some of these. Um, But we're recording. Uh, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any other identifying text. He'll have left only the image. 
It will be up to me to describe it to the best of my ability and also to give it a title and a synopsis based on the image alone. We'll share it on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter as well so you guys can join in. Last week we had Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter, which I very nearly guessed, but instead reappropriated it as Grimception. Hell hath no fury like a Luma scorned, which I am not proud of and none of the rest of us should be either. No. However, a few people got in touch with uh, some slightly sharper suggestions than mine. Okay. So kicking off with C.P. Buckley then on Instagram. While on a case to find the mystical shove-butt stone, legendary paranormal investigator Dick Hardman is oh. transported back in time. Arriving in a village during the execution of a suspected witch, Dick is arrested for having a strange accent. <laughs> He escapes from his cell during a prison break and is taken in by Lady Horne More. Okay, wow. Given his skills and fighting prowess, Dick is soon giving the moniker of The Killer as he tries to help Lady More fight off the tyrannical witchfinder, General D. Amon. However, when Lady More is abducted by the general and Dick goes to rescue her, he finds that the general was actually a demon hell-bent on killing the witches. He may be able to send him back to hell. Now Dick must stop the demon and find a way back to the present. It's the 1991 time-bending sequel, The Hardman Factor 7, Time is Hardman. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have to go back through all these and see if the sequel numbers line up to the years because CP has built a long storied franchise here yeah I'd be, really, I'd be interested to see how much they kind of tie into one another whether they are in fact linear I'm very curious if he has a spreadsheet mm. um, you know like with with the years release date synopses things like that with it all planned out absolutely uh, Guy Harvey Reford carry on screaming part 2 Um, James Rodriguez in a small English village a shrouded figure is preying on young women by kidnapping taking the skin off their bodies and shoving severed pieces up its arsehole but the locals are doing fuck all other than giving side eye and it's up to swashbuckling Endeavour stabs a lot to stop the beast don't miss the 1962 folk horror eat flay lube I see what he did there. That's very yeah. clever. Um, Bill Carr okay. on Twitter. Barry Spume loves to wear tight trousers <laughs> and a cape, loves Alcopops, and loves to crucify women with the aid of his friends Baxter Piss Artist and Vanessa Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> when his latest victim is rescued by a bastard in a cloak, <laughs> Barry gives Jason he tried to stay flaccid. <laughs> 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 I spit on your grades as a collective. Oh, all of them. You can speculate on whether this was Faye, Mercer, or Chris that, um, that did this. I have my theories. Right, sure. In 1969, two Soviet sisters attempt to flee communism. Arriving in England, they fall victim to the demon living in the lake behind the mansion they find shelter in after trying to retrieve a lost ball. A young KGB <laughs> agent named Vlad Putin is dispatched to rescue them and establish Russian dominance once and for all. It's a 1974 Russian anti capitalist education film, Dark Water. Don't rush in. Oh, right, sure. Uh, uh, Cosmic Regal, Alexis, on Twitter, historian cleric Rodney Chamberpot is on a secret mission <laughs> to find out where all the Virgin Marys went. Yes, there was more than one. It's 1993's Rods from God, aka God's Rod, for its US release, publicly slated by the Pope on its release, so the cinema pulled it out early. Ah, uh, I see. Hannah underscore Ray on Twitter, Hannah. A thespian suffering from amnesia believes he is a king sent to save unwitting damsels from the clutches of a mysterious cloaked villain who is roaming a suspiciously cardboard graveyard. Alas, he is actually on an accidental rampage on set. It's 1979's Paper-Faced Villains. Oh, right, okay. And Kinnell, to wrap up, a Scottish podcaster travels back in time to 1800 Salem to hunt a notorious pagan <laughs> ferret rapist in the Mitchfinder General. <laughs> I like that, but I feel like it should be someone looking for you. <laughs> 
it. Right, let me pitch you something right now, right? Okay. A time portal opens. Right. And whatever era Witchfinder General was in, right? And Vincent Price is sucked into the, the modern times, right? But finding witches aren't prevalent anymore. He turns to uh, looking for other cryptids, right? Sure. And okay. then he hears tell of a Scottish podcaster who may also be a werewolf due to his incredible body hair. <laughs> so he sets off on a mission to hunt down the beast and slay him and hopefully somehow find his way back to the mud and hay and drudgery that he loves so dearly. That's the Mitch Finder General. Very good. Okay. Teamwork makes a dream work on that one. That's everyone's pictures for this week. Did you just do that so you could award yourself best pitch? I did and I will. (laughs) Uh, But no, best pitch, uh, more for the title than anything, is going to eat flay lube. Okay. uh, It's James Rodriguez. And best character name? Uh, Vanessa Whistle. Vanessa Whistle, so uh, James and Bill, this week's winners, congratulations. I do want to say it was close because I also had a soft spot for Rodney Chamberpot. I also like Endeavour Stabs a lot, it was a strong week. Yeah. Okay, uh, big well done, like I say then to James and Bill, you are this week's winners, so let's uh, let's uh, take a look at my turn. Okay, uh, I'm sending you now. Okay, let's see what we got. Okay, okay, um, I can work with this. I think. Right, okay, so the border to the image is white. Yes, And good start. Yep, we are, I would say, in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Or kind of like a mausoleum. I would say the background, the building in the background, I'm going to say as a mausoleum, I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. That is perched atop a grassy hill. Right. Which is beset by kind of like zombie-looking creatures or zombie-looking humanoids who are all quite smartly dressed. There's a woman in the background there in like a red cocktail dress. Also, there are some people who look like they're in suits. Mm-hmm. Zooming in a little bit here. Um, some people are in suits. Some people are doing that kind of like a one-color t-shirt and a blazer thing that I do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you do all the time. Yeah, when I, when I think that uh, when I think that I look really cool, but I actually look like a guidance teacher. Um, <laughs> there's a woman in the background in a pink dress there as well, um, and in the foreground of the image, there is somebody in a white dress lying on the ground who I think may well be dead. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a kind of slightly Jodie Fostery looking woman right. um, in a in a blue dress and blue high heels uh, in a state of some distress. She's got long blonde hair, and she uh, is being grabbed by her left arm by uh, somebody who actually does he like he's looking he's wearing something I would wear. 100%. That, that's what you, I've seen you go out to, to the, the pub wearing that. Yeah, exactly this. Like uh, jeans, a black belt, a grey one colour polo shirt and a blazer, which looks like it is either a kind of black or dark grey. So yeah, very much, very much kind of my aesthetic. He's got um, uh, some strong zombie vibes going on as well. He looks like he's about to bite an arm. So that's about it, I think. I would say well-dressed kind of blazer and dress-clad people who look like they've been turned to zombies uh, clamouring outside a mausoleum while a blue ball gown wearing woman is harassed by a zombie me <laughs> sure 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 uh a minute then there's also there's what? also actually there's also actually a, um, a white square here which i'm assuming had some text in it that's been removed but it looks really weird but it's just kind of sitting there it did have text in it yeah that's quite right that the guy hasn't like dropped a binder no <laughs> <laughs> I think that they all, they all kind of look a bit like yuppies. Right. Okay. Does that is that going to play into the plot? I think so. Right. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you a minute then. Okay. I do just want to draw attention to a couple of things you missed here, and perhaps there's still time for it to inform your pitch. Okay. Okay. There you go. On the right hand side of the image, there you'll see a burning bush biblical oh yeah okay i just thought that that was kind of just like i I just thought that they were just red bushes right okay (laughs) 
Sure, I'm sure. A, I'm a smart person, yes. Also, now, can we look at this main character who you have said uh, is a bit like yourself? Now, do we suppose that he's wearing monster gloves like it's Halloween or a monster mask because his face colour and his hand colour could not be more starkly different? Wow, good point. I'm going to say that he is, like, his eyes have turned and he's got fangs, but his skin turns from the feet up. Right, so... So he's in, like, mid-transition. In time, his face will go green to match his hands. Yes, I'm going to go with that, I think. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it is either that or it's going the other way. Or, I'm just putting this out there, it might just be shite and not matter at all. Yeah, that is also true. That mm. it, might have, it might be of absolutely no consequence. It might be an error on the part of the artist. <laughs> You'd be like, mate, I, I can't pay you your full amount for that. Just Can you not just go and whack a bit of green in? And he's like, no, I'm off the clock. No, that's it. Yep, yep, yep. Right. You gave me final sign-off, I'm gone. <laughs> okay, um, I think I have something here. Okay, tell me, tell me. Okay. The year is 1986 and Wall Street is booming. <laughs> An ambitious young group of materialistic stock market mover shakers and their partners gather in a cemetery for a Halloween-themed celebration of their latest big deal. <laughs> However, what they don't know is that also present in the graveyard is exiled former employee turned mild-mannered farmhand and part-time shaman Melvin Gudgel, who has cursed <laughs> the cemetery, turning everyone in attendance into slavering zombie-like cannibals. With the drooling horde of undead yuppies descending on the city, it's up to nearly retired bank clerk Penny Saved to stop the insanity. Wall Street meets the evil dead in 1990s B-movie schlock-off Murders and Acquisitions, How to Eat Brains and Eviscerate People. I'm sure you've done murders and acquisitions before. Ah, crap, have I? I think you might have, yeah. I think you <laughs> might have done it on one of the ones that was like a cityscape or someone else did, maybe. But uh, do you know what? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. There's only so many words. In fact, maybe I'm the one that needs to start a fucking spreadsheet because I've done more than 100 of these at this point. <laughs> yeah, you fucking have. So, like, so I think some repetition is inevitable <laughs> because I am not that creative. So, like, I need to I need to keep tabs on this a little bit better. I think this might be a uh, a kind of an objective for the next couple of weeks. But there you go. Uh, so, uh, repetition or not, that is my pitch. Like it or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. what is it really? Uh, what year did you say? I said 1990. Right, okay, well it's 1974. Oh, I see, okay. <laughs> so just a little bit wide there. <laughs> yes, if the gap between my guess and the correct answer was a person, it could legally buy cigarettes. Carry on. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> the film is Corpse Eaters. Corpse Eaters, eh? Riveting. Okay, fantastic. Um, what's this about? And more importantly, who is descending from the IMDb <sighs> wilderness to tell us? So I had to go out of IMDb to find a synopsis that I thought was acceptable. I'll, I'll, I'll read you the one that I've got here first, right? And that's uh, two young couples goofing around in a graveyard recite an incantation that summons forth a band of flesh-hungry zombies. Sure, okay. Right, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But the one on... IMDB was as follows, and this is from uh, Wallace Entertainment, Uh, and uh, the synopsis is as follows. A story of zombies eating freshly killed humans. I did assume there would be more. No, um, no, no, that's, that's pretty much it. And that's why I decided, oh, I just want to get a little bit more context in there, just a little bit more of a clearer idea of what's actually happening in the film, rather than something that's evident from the the, the, the poster, really. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's 100% right. That's very much a say what you see. I might use Wallace Entertainment as a pitch name for a media mogul. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Like, I just want to say it right now. I'm probably going to steal that. Okay. Um, that concludes Mitch's pictures for this week. That image is everywhere if you would like to join in. Uh, we always love hearing from you. So uh, get in touch through whatever your chosen social media platform is and let us know what you think. 
So, streaming platforms this week then, for January 25th to January 31st. Now, Amazon Prime on Monday 25th, we have got The Dare, a rare family night for Jay, takes a brutal twist when he awakens in a basement with three other prisoners. As their vengeful captor runs riot, Jay engages in a twisted battle to solve the puzzle to his past and save his family's future. This stars uh, Richard Brake. Oh, right, okay. Uh, of obviously Game of Thrones 31 and... Three from Hell. Three from Hell, and thank Mandy. you very much, yes. And Mandy, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's been getting around the last few years. I like Richard Brake. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesday 27th, you've got Season 5, Episode 8 of The Expanse. And on Thursday the 28th, Watchmen, which I know is not strictly genre, but I included it because I think that this uh, summary or this synopsis misses out a lot of important stuff. <laughs> Go on. Rorschach, a vigilante, sets out to investigate the mysterious circumstances under which one of his colleagues died. In the process of doing so, he discovers some disturbing secrets. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's some fatal omissions in there. Um, Sky Cinema on Thursday. Uh, get this watched if you haven't already. I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, Dean Capsalis is the swerve. Ah, oh, superb. Did you say it's on Sky? Sky Cinema from Thursday. Yeah, a woman seems to have it all. Two kids, a nice house, and a steady job. However, there are troubling signs that all's not well in her world. So, director Dean Capsalis, who you may know from this show, from his episode on Exorcist to the Heretic. Also, uh, great performances here from Ashley Bell and Azura Sky. Don't miss this. Yeah, definitely don't miss this. I know we said earlier that the rental is just a nice, relaxed kind of Wednesday afternoon viewing or Wednesday evening viewing. This isn't. Don't watch this if you're wanting to enjoy the rest of your night. No, watch this after the rental if you want the opposite of a palate cleanser. Yeah, definitely. A palate ruiner? A palate muddier, yeah. uh, But legitimately, this was one of the best films I saw last year. Yeah, Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, you want to get that watched. Uh, Turning our attentions then to Netflix. Monday the 25th, we've got The Vanished. When their daughter disappears during a family vacation, two terrified parents launch their own investigation that soon exposes local secrets. Tuesday the 26th, got season two of Snowpiercer, set more than seven years after the world has become a frozen wasteland. This series centres on the remaining people who inhabit a gigantic, perpetually moving train that circles the globe. Mm-hmm. Thursday the 28th, got Hotel Artemis. In dystopian LA, a nurse patches up criminals at a secret hospital with strict rules, but when riots close in and the owner arrives, all bets are off. Quite like the look of this, I must say. Um... Shudder then, a couple of great things on here as well. On Tuesday the 26th, more former guest stuff. Oh! Uh, Lucky McKee's The Woman, a lawyer played by Sean Bridgers, puts his family in jeopardy when he captures the last member of a violent feral clan and tries to forcibly tame her. So not only is this directed by former guest Lucky McKee and also stars Pollyanna McIntosh, it also stars former guest and friend of the show, Geraldine Durkis. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of Ashley Carter herself. Yeah, yeah so um, get that watched as well because it's, absolutely amazing mm. um and on thursday the 28th we've got the queen of black magic now this sounds awesome and i think that this ties in with a few films from shudder that you've talked about on the show okay the sins of the past come back with a vengeance in this new film from director kimo stambol who directed headshot oh i uh-huh. and uh writer joko anwar of satan slaves and impetigor yeah so pretty convincing credentials on paper here a family travels to the distant rural orphanage where the father was raised to pay the respects to the facility's gravely ill director however the experience soon becomes a terrifying supernatural ordeal by the way both satan slaves and impetigor are brilliant i would urge you if you haven't seen them to go and watch them both joko anwar is incredible yeah they're both in shutter aren't they yeah yeah check them out so that's your lot for this week very tough call for um, pick of the week this week between the swerve and the woman. Oh, I'm going to go with the swerve. I think I think because the woman's been out there for quite a long time, and I think people are more likely to have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably I'll 
probably go with you on that one. I would say, uh, but I, but check either of them out. They're really, really great week actually on the platforms this week. Yeah. So, yeah. speaking of this week, let's talk Friday. We are back, of course, with another main episode. And if you pay attention to our schedule, you may know that after three guests in a row, it's time for our monthly Andy versus Mitch episode. The palette model. The palette model. Absolutely, yes. So I believe that we don't count the Christmas one. I always kind of just let you choose the Christmas film because I know that you'll pick something that's kind of better than my selection. It doesn't count. Yeah, that's kind of a committee decision. Yeah, that's fair, I would say. So I believe that it was me that last chose a film for one of these. Yeah, what was that? It was all the way back on the 13th of November uh, with actually the Graveyard Story. Oh, shit! Wow, it was that long ago that, yeah. that Ron Hunt came into my life. Wow. Yeah, it feels like, feels like forever ago, but that does mean that it is your turn. Now, right. what are we going for? Right, well, for my first selection of 2021, I'm going to take you back to 1993. Okay. I'm also going to take you to Australia. Okay. It's Philip Brophy's Body Melt. Now, you have mentioned Body Melt a couple of times when we have done things like street trash yeah mm-hmm. I think so that gives me an indicator of what we're getting of course <laughs> I haven't seen this I know nothing about it the only frame of reference I have is the way that you've talked about it in other episodes yeah yeah I I'm curious to know how this is going to go for you uh, to be honest I'm not optimistic that this is one of my better choices but yeah body melt sticking with it okay I mean that sounds good to me what's the accessibility story for this for the UK now weirdly right I think if you go on to Shudder and search the app you don't find it there but if you go onto the Shudder app on Amazon Prime, it's there. So I don't know how that works. Strange. Okay. Uh, also, that is a version on YouTube. Just saying. Okay. Okay. So a couple of options there. So it's our first Andy versus Mitch episode of 2021. This Friday, Andy has chosen Body Melt. How do you feel about that? Get in touch through all the usual channels and let us know. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email scenes at gmail.com. And, of course, you can join in the chat on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yeah, and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash stronglanguageviolentscenes. We have been posting some stuff there. There's more stuff to come. Patrons, we're going to start getting in touch with you about getting merchandise and stuff out to you. So, yeah, check out our Patreon. Yep, lots of fun stuff upcoming. However, we're back in your main feeds this Friday. We are talking body melt. Just the two of us. Join us for that if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.